And now, proper propaganda. Watch it. Pull my mic back. You like that? Journalists with journalists too. We can strike back. Hardcore reporters with orders from headquarters. Behind enemy lines. Sidestepping the borders. If you're just tuning in to Civic Cypher, I'm your host, Ramses Ja. He is Ramses Ja. I am Q Ward. She is Maggie B. Noah. Yeah, we are Civic Cypher. Yeah, big shout out to Maggie B. Noah. She put together a good show for us this week. Um... A lot more to stick around for, so please do just that. We're going to talk a little bit more about kind of where we left off there, some police accountability, the value of police, and really what what we think of, <laughs> you know, in terms of, we're, we're going to be fair, though. I'm we, sorry. We, we, you we, said police accountability, and I just couldn't help it. Well, I'm yeah, sorry. That's It's, it's okay. <laughs> this is the place for that. But we're going to be fair. I, we're going to be as fair as we want oh, to be. Oh, man. But we're also going to look at how um, government institutions look at policing and kind of the disconnect between our lived reality. Um, we're also going to talk about the origins of policing for our way black history fact. Um, for those that don't know, policing uh, comes from slave times, you know, as, as it turns out. So um, stick around for all that. But first and foremost, we're going to discuss how to become a better ally, B-A-B-A, Baba. And uh, this is brought to you by Hip Hop Weekly Magazine. And we're going to do um, a special one this week. We're going to shout out uh, our listeners, you. Um, we're going to name one listener in particular. But uh, you listening to the show, you are becoming better allies by listening to the conversations that we're having. You know, 2020 told us that we need to talk more. That's what we're doing. Um, but you know, what do you say? We don't do this for free. We do it for freedom, right? That's what Maggie tell, tells us, right? Um, but I think more importantly, uh, we say at the end of the show, the show has been growing and it has been. And in order to really take advantage of all the opportunities, and if you feel inclined, you can support us in that growth fiscally. And I want to give an example here. Um, this message came from a listener named Timothy Roper, who listens to us on Wool FM, Black Sheep Radio in Vermont. Black Sheep Radio, I yeah, love man. it. Wool FM, W-O-O-L. Right. I love it. Yeah, so he wrote us a, a message and he sent us 50 bucks. And we used that 50 bucks to purchase something that we now have in the studio with us, man. So thank you, Timothy. We appreciate you. And you can do the same. But he sent a note with his, uh, his donation. It says... I listened to your syndicated show on wool in Vermont. I want to express my gratitude for all you share and and the wisely measured way in which you share it. So we want to say thank you, Timothy. Um, your words and, of course, your monetary generosity genuinely have made a difference in our world, and we appreciate you. We appreciate you, brother. You can do the same. There's a ton of ways to donate. Hit civiccipher.com, and you'll see it. It's right there. Help us grow. We need you, and we'll do this thing together. Now, moving on. Why can't we live? And where is the real accountability? What a question. Right. That's, 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 that's one for the ages. So I wonder if, if we'd said that instead of Black Lives Matter, if they would have come up Man, with they a would, catchy slogan. They would have figured it out. And, you know, <laughs> and, and opposition to that one. They would have figured it out. Man, listen, babe. We are not up against forces that are uninformed or unintelligent. These are people that are master manipulators. They know how to twist the narrative. They, you know, I was watching something about Tucker Carlson, not to go off on a tangent here, but 
he was having a conversation with a student and his advice to the student was, you know, get married and have lots of babies. Right. And as you know, the great replacement theory is something that's largely pushed on the right where white men in particular feel like they're going to lose the numbers game, quote unquote, and they feel that it's a concerted effort by Jewish people who have um, co coordinated with black and Hispanic folks to uh, shift the numbers away from a white majority in the country. Not, not that nature does that because, you know, if you look at it through a scientific lens, it's nature. Maggie, but Maggie, I don't know if she can answer us because she doesn't have a mic. Did you get the email for the invitation to the Jewish minorities uh, <laughs> pilgrimage to erase white people? Uh, a thon? Like I don't. That that's that's a firm no for me. They send that to Civic Cipher at no, 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 no. They didn't. I didn't get that either. It wasn't on so. the website. Did they? Yeah, so. Did we get a pamphlet at the PO box? No. If they did, you know, this would be the place where we would share it with people, right? You know, I would have loved to have done a. A show live from, <laughs> from that place, <laughs> conference or trade show or whatever you would call such a thing. It's it's it's. But you see what I mean? There are these. Uh, they make these boogeymen out of thin air, and they do a great job of scaring their constituents and their listeners into taking action against forces that are not even they they don't even exist in a shared reality. And nobody, nobody's counting. Nobody's like, okay, we need to have more babies so that we can have the number. Like what that, that feels so it's like hustling backwards because then what exactly we got to take care of all these babies. Right. So anyway, cause our government sure goes out of their way to help us support all these babies. Right. Thank you Q for pointing out the obvious, but that narrative is so entrenched. This is the the narrative that the white supremacist shooter in the top supermarket had. He had written on his gun, you will not replace us, you know, um, and, and this is shared, you know, in those uh, those uh, those uh, white supremacist um, like chat rooms on the Internet. Yeah, they're manifest. 4chan are, are and 8chan places. Yeah. And th they're not stupid. They are just they subscribe to a separate reality that it's not a shared reality. It's just their reality. And they're so afraid of what we know to be nothing. But in their world, it's a very real thing. I mean, they, they found a way to stir their base into a frenzy that's monolithic. Sure. And that's why it's successful. They don't have to have the majority. Right. We can outnumber them by tens of millions, but they're if we got 60 million and they got 10, all their 10 is on the same page. They on the same joint. Like yeah. this is what we're on. Right. Our 60. I'm Large talking thing. about I don't like Ramses is Afro. He don't like my hair. His glasses are black. Mine's have a gold tinge. We're going to spend our whole thing <laughs> pointing out. The problems and the holes and the, the small fractures in each other. That 10 million, they don't care nothing about none of that. Yeah. They are trying to replace us. Yeah, that's it. That's, that is their war crime. That fear worked for that small number of people and they are united in that fear. So we are cannibalizing ourselves by tearing each other down, not supporting the same message, the same vision, the same anything. It is quite discouraging. You know, what comes to mind when you say that is the way that we treated Bernie Sanders. 
for the last election. But <sighs> hang on, I have a, I have a whole other, another point to make. So to your point, it wouldn't matter if we called a movement Black Lives Matter. It wouldn't matter if we called a slogan defund the police. They would figure out in their brilliance, I will admit that in their brilliance, they would figure out a way to challenge the narrative and the actual language, the, 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 the war cry. They would figure it out. You know, these are marketing professionals. I went to school for marketing, so I know, like, man, that's brilliant. You know, a way to counter, uh, counter a statement, a movement or whatever. And then because they are monolithic in their focus and in their uh, efforts, um, they can exist and really do some damage to a movement or a moment. Now, let's actually look into what we're trying to look into here for this topic. All right. So um, our first set of notes comes from the Washington Post. All right. During his presidency, the Trump administration abandoned a provision, uh, sorry, abandoned a proven way to reduce police violence. All right. Pattern of practice investigators are considering one of the best ways to rein in and reform dysfunctional departments. Congress created the authority for these federal investigations, formerly known as 34 USC 12601, in the aftermath of the vicious beating of Rodney King by LAPD officers. Uh, now, the pattern of practice uh, investigations, civil, not criminal investigations aimed at systemic problems, not individual officers, allow, but allow the federal government to sue any law enforcement entity that engages in a pattern or practice of conduct that deprives a person's rights, privileges, or immunities secured by or protected by the Constitution or laws of the United States. The government cannot sue for money, but it can sue for what's called equitable and declaratory relief, which is an order from a judge that police agencies have to enact specific reforms. Most cases don't go to trial. Once the federal government has uncovered specific and multiple constitutional violations, the police department will often begin negotiating rather than defend its practices in court. These usually result in consent decrees where the police departments agree to reform their practices. Now, the Trump administration abandoned this provision that minimized, uh, or minimized might not be the right word, but reduced police violence. Okay. And it can't be intelligently argued that they did that for any other reason than to allow these agencies to operate the way that they do with impunity. Mm. That's it. Mm. Mm. Right. So if it was, if it was just Donald Trump, you might, you listening might think, well, yeah, of course that's Trump. That's what he does. That's what he stands for. That's what his base wants, you know, that because the his base, United States of America, his base isn't affected by not the just orange man. So watch this. And this is why we're talking about this this week, because um, our producer, uh, Maggie, uh, pointed out to us that uh, President Biden, our current sitting pre president of the United States of America, as of your listening to our voice, um, he was set to make an announcement in support of allocating more funds for the police and hiring more officers, right? And that was overshadowed. That announcement was overshadowed because he got COVID right at the same time. So it ended up kind of getting put out 
by the White House, but he didn't get to say it because he was not allowed to be in front of folks on cameras or whatever, whatever his situation was. But he was set to do that. So I'll read this. This one also comes from the Washington Post. Biden makes his midterm message clear. Fund the police. Mm. All right. Republicans applauded the blunt proclamation. Activists mourned its deeper message. Uh, this comes via Legal Defense Fund's website uh, response to Biden's proposal. On Thursday, President Biden revealed the Safer America Plan, okay, which includes important support for community-led crime prevention and intervention, increased law enforcement accountability, sentencing reform, and gun violence abatement. Now, those key words in there sound like what it is that everyone's been working toward, right? community policing, um, you know, uh, uh, increased accountability, so forth and so on, right? But it fails to address, in fact, it exacerbates the existing problem, which is over-policing. I want to take a moment right here because I had a conversation with a friend today um, and he went to a grocery store and he said uh, a person walked into the grocery store and went to the fruit section of the grocery store, grabbed some fruit and started eating the fruit, right? This is very sad because the person that went into the store and got the fruit was hungry. That's why you go in the store. to that, That's where the food is, right? If a moose walked into the store and ate, an apple, what do you do with the moose? Do you call the police? Well, you might call the police because you might not want to run at a moose. But you know what I'm trying to say. Definitely not trying to get down with the moose. But does the moose get arrested? The, reason, the, moose you, go to the jail? reason you call the police is for far different reasons. Right, and the police respond in a different way to an animal. Okay? But this person went into the store hungry Right to the fruit, grab some fruit on the cameras, everything. Let me just eat this fruit, right? So what recourse does the store have? Call the police. And when you call the police, uh, you know, the store didn't have to do that. I don't want to mention the store because there were stores, but. Um, I mean, you could ask the guy to pay for it. For, yeah, but I, I'm, my assumption is that, you know, I, I don't know the, the man's personal details. Remember, I'm hearing this from someone who witnessed it happen. But, um, you know, if you're a store manager, my assumption is that this will be a middle manager type of person that perhaps is a, you know, based on this, where the, the location of the store and the population in that part of the city, this might have been someone who was not melanated. We'll say that. Um, it doesn't mean you can't be compassionate and empathetic. Sure, sure. Exactly. Just exactly. Buy, buy the person a piece of fruit. Right. But the thing is, this show exists to teach people the what whole, that looks the whole like. dollar that it might cost. But again, this show exists to teach people what that might look like. They may not know how to be compassionate because they may ne never have seen it. They may think, okay, what is the only thing I can do to keep my job, to address this. Five pounds of bananas cost like a dollar and 50 cents. Okay, we know this. I'm just saying. We know this. So does the grocery store manager. Okay, but watch this. Again, if there are systems in place 
and you're trying to your best to do your job and do right by everybody, you might think the only thing I can do is call the police. If you didn't grow up like us, that might be the only thing. That's the only tool that you have because you might not know to, in your mind, if you don't have any melanin in your skin and you didn't grow up culturally adjacent to black and brown people in the city, you might not know what it's like to be over-policed in the first place. You might not have even heard any stories. You, you might. also might be underqualified to be a manager of a retailer. Okay. We can, we can, we can have that conversation too. That's a separate conversation, but you're not wrong. Um, but, you know, just to finish, they call the police. The police come in mass. So by the time Cause my you friend- Because you got to send SWAT. Cause right. So by the time- going down in produce. By the time my friend leaves the store, there's seven police cars, something like that. Tons of police officers for someone now seated at the front of the store for eating fruit in the store with no money and no intention to pay for it. Now, if you're like me and you live in this country, you know right now, food prices are high, uh, wages are, are down, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, you know, it's hard to keep a job, it's hard to keep rent and so forth and so on. So, so let, hang on, hang on. Let, we, let gotta, me, we gotta get out let of me, here. Let man. me finish, let me finish, let me finish <laughs> what I'm saying. Oh, oh, man. So, if that's the only number that you can call and that's the way that they respond, if you send seven police cars to respond to somebody eating fruit at a store, imagine how much money it takes to get that going, to get that endeavor. All those officers are there now for an hour writing incident reports, making sure there's backup, radio, you know, these are resources that we pay for, for somebody eating fruit versus what did you say? How much do them bananas cost? About four pounds of bananas yesterday for a dollar and forty one cent or something like that. Okay. So, do you think that maybe there is a ticketing system that might work a little bit better there, or you know? But I'm not saying I have the answer, but I'm saying that rethinking what policing yeah, looks like, even even with the systems in place, yeah, let's find the guy. However, manager, store manager, if any, if anyone listening is a store manager, of course you cannot do this for every case because you have a family to support you have bills but buy the person the piece of fruit yeah man and if you see somebody really really like buy the person the piece of fruit but listen if you see somebody stealing food no you didn't that's it simple if somebody's stealing your bike out of your front yard you run them down and you Get your bike back. However that looks, you and that person got to work that out. I mean, That's well, fine. well, there's but, nuance, right? If they're stealing cases of noodles and like they're stealing stuff off the, out of the aisles in the store and they're a thief, then yeah, they should probably be dealt with like a thief. They should not be, you know, things can go really wrong. However, like stealing food. Well, let's let's not pretend that we don't live in a capitalist society, however. Yeah, that's fair. Right. If you steal our microphones, we can't just watch you do it because whatever your reasoning is, yeah, that's right? fair. you're hungry. I can just buy you a piece of fruit like, like the store manager can afford to buy that person and probably the next 10 people a piece of fruit and wouldn't affect anything. It wouldn't affect anything. They throw that food away right? right and there's and there's there's accountability for loss in retail as well yeah right they they they, they kind of understand that most retailers going away from even having people at registers and letting everyone self-check out they're taking into account that some of those people are walking out of the store 
Now, hang on. I don't want to get too far away from the police's role in this. Correct. Right. So we all live in the same country in the same reality. Um, mm, what, well, for the most same we, country. We, <laughs> okay. <laughs> we live in the same country. Yeah. All right. Realities be. <laughs> okay. That's fair. But realities be different. I'm, I'm going to be fair in this moment. If something bad, if somebody walks into the studio right now and takes the microphones, what do we do? Either watch it happen or call the police. That's really what it is. So I'm not mad at the store manager. Well, I mean, I'm from seven miles, so we can listen. You better say that. Cute. I'm from Compton, California. Yeah, we be busy. But you know, you know what I mean, right? You know what I mean? Um, you know, call the police or, you know, watch it happen or both, you know, and, and some people, they're not from seven miles. And they don't have that in them and they shouldn't. That's not, that's, I don't believe that that is our nature as yeah. human beings. We cooperate. We are social creatures. We are programmed to get along with one another and we are taught to, to behave in an opposite manner. Um, and we're conditioned by society to behave in an opposite manner and to, to espouse greed and, and, you know, capitalism. Once again, capitalism. That. yeah. But police over policing is a problem. So for Joe Biden to say we need to put 100,000 more officers on the streets, you know, despite his coded language here, police accountability, et cetera, et cetera, what you end up with is everybody showing up trying to do the job, right? He should be so, ashamed so of let, let me, let me, I'm going to paint a picture. I'm going to paint a picture for our listeners. Okay. All right. I have a house, right? The outside of my house, I want to paint it yellow. Okay. I call a painter to come and paint the outside of my house yellow, right? Somehow, seven painters end up showing up at my house, right? Now, they all have to justify being there because I'm the painter. This is a house. I'm here with yellow paint, right? So they all are going to want to get a piece of it. They're going to get involved uh, to justify their existence, I know there's too many painters, so this is going to be a problem. And guess what? Each of them paints a little bit of the house, and then it's seven different shades of yellow, and then my house is ugly, right? So think about that when we talk about over-policing, right? And the fact is, we know that if you reallocate police resources the right way, in a way that addresses the problems the source of the problems, daycare, you wouldn't make that connection. But sure enough, there's a connection between daycare and how accessible it is and crime rates in certain communities. That is a fact, right? Employment. Employment. Social services. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. These things. We can go on and right? on. And then you don't even need that many police. I'm not going to be pretend like crime isn't always going to be with us because there are bad people. They do exist in all colors. And we perhaps might need some traditional elements of policing to remain. Especially in a haves versus have not society. Fair. But, um, you know, where we are with this is... We have a government that is detached in terms of their thinking from what is really happening on the streets where Q was getting pulled over for a speeding ticket. And we realize that we not only have too many of these people, we have the wrong, the people with the wrong temperament 
you know, because of the sake, we need to fill the, we need a hundred thousand more people. Okay. So what's the qualifications of those hundred thousand more people? Do you want to get people that get mad when they write a ticket? Because that's the job that they chose to do. You know what I mean? And then you're going to give these people guns and have them make life and death decisions and then give them immunity from the consequences. And then we're under that boot. Okay, we need to really recognize the fact that there are two different Americas, one that the government is pandering to to ensure that their base is fortified and that they get reelected and the one that we live in. I'm glad you said that because it's not ignorance. It's that. Yeah. So we have to move on now. Um, So it's time for our way black history fact. (laughs) And fortunately, it's kind of in the same vein there. So um. Today's Way Black History Fact comes from Hip Hop, or sponsored by Hip Hop Weekly Magazine. It comes from the NAACP. Um, we like the NAACP around there. Shout out to them for hooking us up with an award. It's somewhere in the studio. I lost it, but shout out to the NAACP for loving what we do here. We love y'all too. All right. Um, the origins of modern day policing. All right. Uh, the origins of modern day policing can be traced back to the slave patrol that word patrol is something that you should uh remember we talked about this on the show before but um we're gonna make this breathe a little bit for you the earliest formal slave patrol was created in the carolinas in the early 1700s with one mission dang 1700 with one mission to establish a system of terror and squash slave uprisings with the capacity to pursue apprehend and return runaway slaves to their owners Tactics included the use of excessive force to control and produce desired slave labor. All right. I want to take a moment here before I finish this reading. Um, If you can do me a favor, you're listening intently to Q and I have this conversation. If you're in a position to make a note, I want you to write how to make a slave. Write it in your phone. Write it somewhere. The author is Willie Lynch. I will say that it is contested. The authenticity of that that uh, writing is contested, whether or not it was a, a historical document or not. But the point is that regardless of whether it was a work of fiction or a work of nonfiction, it is a very potent um, and sobering reminder of the reality of this time in our country, 1700, we'll say. Um, and, you know, this excessive force to control uh, and produce desired slave labor, it, it'll makes sense once you read that again it's by it's called how to make a slave and the author is willie lynch i want you to look that up that's your homework and that's another baba for you for next week do that and then we'll actually we should probably include that for another way black history fact anyway we'll move on um north carolina slave patrol oath was as follows i patroller's name do swear that i will as a searcher for guns swords and other weapons among slaves in my district faithfully and as privately as I can discharge the trust reposed in me as the law directs to the best of my power. So help me God. Slave patrols continued until the end of the civil war and the passage of the 13th amendment. Following the civil war during reconstruction, slave patrols were replaced by militia style groups who were empowered to control and deny access to equal rights uh, to freed slaves. They relentlessly and systematically enforced black codes 
strict local and state laws that regulated and restricted access to labor, wages, voting rights, and general freedoms for formerly enslaved people. In 1868, ratification of the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution technically granted equal protections to African Americans, essentially abolishing black, black codes, Jim Crow laws, and state and local statutes that legalized racial segregation swiftly took their place. Um, this comes from history.com, so there's a little slight shift here. Jim Crow laws were a collection of state and local statutes that legalized racial segregation, named after a black minstrel show character, the character who wore blackface. The laws which existed for about 100 years in the post-Civil War era until 1968 were meant to marginalize African-Americans by denying them the right to vote, hold jobs, get an education or other opportunities. Those who, were, those who attempted to defy Jim Crow laws often faced arrest, fines, jail sentences, violence, and death. Right. By the 1900s, local municipalities began to establish police departments to enforce local laws in the East and Midwest, including Jim Crow laws. Local municipalities leaned on police to enforce and exert excessive brutality on African Americans who violated any Jim Crow law. Jim Crow laws continued through the end of the 1960s. Fast forward to today, the criminal justice system is heavily impacted by the bias of police mentality and outdated judicial precedents. The system is largely driven by racial disparities and the black community continues to be the target. The results are brutal and long-standing. The legacy and effects of biased policing are far-reaching. The U.S. is home to the world's largest prison population and the highest per capita incarceration rate. As of May 2020, there were 655 people incarcerated per 100,000. Police, uh, sorry, prison, parole, and probation operations cost U.S. taxpayers 81 billion with a B dollars per year. Um, and then, uh, Another fact, in 2020, there were 1,021 fatal police shootings, and in 2019, there were 999 fatal shootings. Additional, additionally, the rate of fatal police shootings among Black African Americans was much higher than for any other ethnicity, standing at 35 fatal shootings per million of the population as of March 2021. That comes from Statistica.com. Now, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Willie Lynch, um, whether or not it was an official document, what cannot be argued is whether or not it was fiction. It was not fiction. It may not have been an, an official piece of uh, legal or political literature, but the ideology of Willie Lynch's writing mm -hmm. still very exists real. Very today. Real. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I want you to read it. So, yeah, we said you said it wasn't we weren't sure if it was fact or fiction or if it was fiction or nonfiction. It was very, very much nonfiction. OK, so now now we're, we're going to have this conversation right here. We have a couple of minutes. So let's do it. Um, I, I do want you, our listener, to to look this up. I you may have heard a bit about it, maybe not. But I want you to look it up so you know what we're talking about. and reach out to us. So Please. we can talk to you about it. Please. We would we would love to jump on camera and jump on a microphone and have that conversation Please. with you, even if it's not the show that you're listening to right now. Sure. We'll make some time for you now. Um, what I, the reason I say that is because if you Google Willie Lynch letter or how to make a slave, you're going to see um, a lot of fluff a lot of things that try to debunk the authenticity of the letter um and i don't want you to be confused by that because 
again, as you mentioned, whether or not this was actually written by a man and the man's name was really Lynch and so forth, the ideology there is very true. And when you get a chance to see that this was deliberate and that it works and it was masterful, just like the fluff, that's masterfully placed next to the actual document. You know, go to the Wikipedia page, you'll see the document, and then you'll see all the rest of the stuff that says it's not, you know, it may not be real, or it's, the, the authenticity is debated and so forth to, you know, kind of create some confusion around it. But please read it, and you'll see what we're talking about here. Um, but for now, because we have to go, just know that this is the origins of policing. This is the way that our government feels about policing, and it's continuing to operate, and we are still at the receiving end of a lot of that brutality. So again, just keep that in mind when you cast your votes and as you move forward, um, you know, with your life in this country, that we are your countrymen and we love you and we love ourselves and we love our children. We want a better world, same as you do. Um, and this is perhaps what a better world looks like for us. So something to keep in mind. But that's going to do it for us here on Civic Soccer. Once again, I'm your host, Rams. It's Ja. They call me Q Ward most of the time. Yes, indeed. Show produced by our producer, Ms. Maggie, a.k.a. Maggie B. Nowen. Um, and before we let you go, once again, hit the website, civiccipher.com. Submit any questions, any topics you want us to cover. Um, that donation thing, that goes a long way, man. Your $50 will <laughs> make an impact just like Timothy's $50 did. So will your $1, your so $2. So will your $1. You don't have to be $50. I, I, I wish I could share all of the great stuff coming our way, but only happens with your support financially and otherwise um and be sure to follow us on all social media at civic cypher until next week y'all peace Sidestepping the borders with press passes, we bring it to you as it happens. The streets love my crew for music and rapping. Street commander slash beat expander, here to fight the slander with the proper propaganda. What's happening? You got a question, then ask it. The news is just a TV show. Get past it. And this from a quiet wartime journalist headlines. Wake up, refuse, and resist.